like smooth jazz and spam in your inbox. This is Making Sparkles, a podcast not about making the musical Sparkle Pony Bear. And if you can say that five times fast, then go fuck yourself. Because I couldn't, I had to keep re-recording this intro because all the bleeps and text messages and emails, it has been just one of those days. But here I am. And so I figured I'd kind of dive right into it. So I'm working on the Book of Arius, as you know. And if you don't know, then clearly you haven't listened to the other episodes. I highly suggest you go back. They're all very entertaining. You get to hear me blathering on like an idiot. Anyway, so with Book of Arius, last episode, I kind of explained that I wanted to find... I kind of was going through this weird midlife crisis. I realized that... I was layering on top of layering what I was really meaning and really trying to say. That instead of making this an instrumental autobiographical work, I was trying to personify this in different characters and then kind of like fudge my experiences a little bit. As I started kind of digging deeper, I realized, well, it's an instrumental piece. Just go for broke. Just be honest. Say what you got to say. So in these upcoming episodes, I'm actually going to be talking about the past experiences and stories that are basic. (laughs) I'm going to explain what anecdotes or stories pertain to what segments. So kind of as a recap, let's see here. I grew up in Mason City, Iowa. It is a town of about 25,000 people, or at least it was like 25,000 when I was there umpteen years ago. Uh, Came from a very broken home. Uh, Long story short, my biological father left before I was born, two weeks before my mother's wedding. My mom remarried countless times, had been cheated on, um, ended up at the end of it all before I left home, I was the oldest of six kids. <laughs> it was a tumultuous childhood, fraught with all kinds of craziness. From there, I had no escape route, Iowa, so and no support, so and gay, even though I wasn't out of the closet yet, and I was insanely oppressed, uh, <laughs> or repressed, whichever you choose. Then I went in the Navy, and I was in the Naval Nuclear Power Training Command. Did that for like two years. And then after a string of tumultuous events, ended up being a drug dealer and jazz pianist in New Orleans for a little bit. Um, And then after that, I was homeless in San Diego and was moonlighting as an experimental theater writer while at the same time producing punk bands. And then from there, I moved to San Francisco where I tried to start my own record label and my own creative arts firm. with mild success, Uh, and then after that, kind of gallivanted around the globe, writing for crazy modern dance companies, doing string arrangements, commercials, couple of indie film scores, Um, and then after that, I left all of that, I packed up my bags, and I moved to New York City, where I met my amazing partner, Aaron, who I'm still with, and my dog, Mitch, Uh, and now I'm just kind of taking some time off writing my own stuff, Uh, still working on other projects, paying the rent, but yeah, so that's the recap, that's kind of my life in a nutshell. So when I decided that the Book of Arius, I was really going to dig deep, um... 
there's a lot, there's a treasure trove to kind of mine from. And so what I'm doing is I'm basically breaking out my life into three separate segments. Um, one segment that is a narrative more from high school, looking backward. Uh, another snippet of time is my 20s. Uh, 20s being kind of in between the time of being in the Navy up till through being homeless in San Diego slash being a punk rock producer. And then the third segment is basically present day. Um, now that I've settled down, I'm living in a place I enjoy. <laughs> so so those, those are the three segments I'm kind of playing with. And the, the, uh, the concept is kind of um, reverberating through themes between the three kind of segments, treating them each as characters. So what I'm going to talk about in this episode is just the opening segment which is kind of, again, it's the broad stroke. It introduces the three major kind of characters. Um, it introduces the premise, which again, I'll reiterate, hasn't changed a whole lot. It's just, I am the central figure, but basically it's myself in three separate points of time of my life, all sh inhabiting and sharing the same dream. And within that dream, there's kind of a dialogue or an ethereal discussion about, you know, different ideas. The main, the main premise is that I was riddled with nightmares as a child and grew up in a very, I guess I can honestly say it was a fairly abusive home um, with some very uh, significant mental repercussions because of that. Uh, but one of the things that always stuck that I never really figured out were these horrific waking nightmares I would experience. I mean, up until I was like 16, where wide awake in the middle of the night, I would literally see like these black figures moving around my bedroom and had red glowing eyes and would haunt and terrify me. And this, you know, although those experiences died down at about 16, I still had to sleep with a nightlife, nightlight until I was like well into my 20s. So, so that is what the Book of Argus said. <laughs> oh, did I mention it's instrumental? <laughs> uh, so, so this, again, this episode, I'm going to talk about segment one, the opening segment. And the opening segment is just the setup. It's basically getting these three different me's from these three different time points of time all interacting in the same space. So it's all about setup. Um, the scores itself kind of lend itself to that. So before I get into playing the segment, I think it's important, being a gear slut, to kind of talk about the workflow that brought me to this point. Um, because the thing that I've enjoyed about this project is that it is definitely informed, the, the process of making it has informed what the actual project itself is. So everything from the effects I'm using to the parallel compression to mapping everything out in electronic strings, with the hope of basically going into a studio in December and recording real strings. All of this kind of like has has a pieces part into it. And at least I can do this in the first episode. So this episode, we're gonna dig, first we're gonna dig deep into the process and how we got here. Then we're gonna play 
what I have is a demo track that I'm going to use for the audio engineer. Um, and then finally, I'm going to get into more of the grit of the actual storyline. The episodes after this, like segment two and three, will be completely storytelling narrative driven experiences. But that is where we're at. And that is what we're going to do. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder who actually listens to this crap. <laughs> so when I first started Book of Arius, as we all know, it was kind of spawned from the actual musical Sparkle Pony Bear that I was working on, which was this kind of like time traveler musical about me going back to basically my my teenage self and trying to just inhabit that and I don't know. It, it was a little wonky. Um, I don't think it was a terrible project. It was just fraught with issues, partly because I was trying to bring singers in way too early in the creative process because I like to hear what's happening as I'm writing it out. Um, I also learned a lot about how musicals are written in that process, where the way I used to do it was I used to always treat everything like a concept album, but... I learned later that in most musicals, really you're just writing out your vocal part and a, a little bit of a piano line, and then you have a team that kind of takes it from there and they do arrangements and stuff. I'm very much kind of the uh, Steve Albini, do it yourself, don't waste any time type of guy. It was very counterintuitive to the process. I got very disheartened about working with singers. Um, again, all those episodes are up. <laughs> I name names and I get very angry about that. But anyway, so after I got through that, I realized I really wanted to kind of go back to something new, something that was just me, something that didn't really have any constraints. Enter Kaylee, my music supervisor, and kind of my new management team to figure things out. And I guess in that process, the book of Arius came up because I was just I was studying a lot of weird historical things about like the Council of Nicaea and things that don't really matter to this podcast. So let's not bore anyone with the details. But so I started to map out this idea of what if these three separate people from these three separate points in time could all interact within one dr common dream that they're sharing. Uh, and it was kind of based loosely on a dream I had had. Um, and so I started kind of writing that out. When I first scored it, I was working on piano, organ, distorted electric piano with an echo effect, and then was like, eventually I might write some string parts in it. As I said, and, and the, the organ and the distortion and the piano all kind of came about because of the templates I was already creating for uh, Sparkle Pony Bear. So Sparkle Pony Bear, as I was writing this, I was kind of coming up with these different synth ideas or instrument sets. Um, typically, when I make an electronic instrument, I use Logic, and it's going through a massive amount of sends and buses and filters. And so I kind of was incorporating that. And then through the amazing work of Kaylee, we started writing, I started rescoring and adding a string quartet to it. Then became this huge battle of, okay, there's a very strong narrative presence in this piece. Do we want this actually sung? So I did a couple of experiments. 
again, previous episodes, not going to bore you on this. Um, tried, went back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. At the end of the day, I just kind of had a break and went, I hate singers. <laughs> and more importantly, it's not that I hate singers, although I do. No, I'm joking. Um, it's just... It's difficult to rely on other people when you're early in the creative process. I think anyone that's ever tried to write a song or tried to produce or work on anything knows that. Like, when it's only yourself with the gun to your head, it's much easier to navigate. The minute you start involving other people, like, in the early phases, or even in the later phases, it just becomes, not only becomes your project, it's our project. And with that become decisions that may or may not affect the quality or the intention that you came to it with. So so that's when I went, all right, well, fuck that. I'm going all instrumental. So the final instrumentation at this point. So I'd written segment one. And again, it was uh, organ, electric piano, and piano. And then, then I added a string quartet. And the string quartet was started as very incidental and then slowly through time started kind of building out and then i started talking to my music supervisor who's actually an award-winning cellist <laughs> the cellist i always use and so we started talking about it and i was like well i don't know what i want to do visually with this i don't know if i want it to be a modern dance piece i don't know if i want it to be a video i you know i i'm not going to worry about that but i do kind of like what we're doing so then we decided, well, let's record this. Let's just record the first segment with the string quartet. And I would splice in the uh, keyboard tracks that I was using, which was cool. Um, and there's an entire episode about that as well, because it went really, really horribly awry. But before we get to that part, um, so because I realized I was bringing in a world-class all-female string quartet, I kind of beefed up the scores because I was like, well, I don't want them just sitting there and like playing whole notes. So I started writing it out, still keeping intact the, um, the, the keyboard parts. So I show up at the Castle Braid Rad Studios in Bushwick, and as you know, it went horribly awry. Their system kept crashing. Um, one violinist never showed up and we had to get a replacement on the fly. Kaylee herself was super late. It was just nothing good came out of that at first. Um, the mic setups, nothing was in phase with each other. It was, everything was out of phase. It was just, nothing was mic'd properly. It was just, it was really aggravating. Um, fast forward to a couple weeks after that experience, um, I've already been writing out segments two and three, um, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to just keep it more keyboard heavy because the string process has really been stressing me out. So, <laughs> so the Nightmare Castle Parade happens, and then I start streaming my workflows on Twitch. Well, I like streaming on Twitch because those people are loud and obnoxious, my type of people, um, but it also kind of afforded me an interesting interaction. It forced me to actually do things. So so instead of dawdling or, you know, being loosey-goosey, I really was pushing myself hard. So, so we had, like, I think 
a two or three day session where a bunch of other audio engineers were on Twitch with me and we kind of pulled apart this monstrosity of a recording session and we just Frankensteined it together. The community was amazing. It was a lot of fun. I think if you go to, to it's twitch.tv slash sparkle pony bear. Yeah, that's my username. Uh, <laughs> you'll kind of see like it was, you know, people kind of going, Oh, um, and we started developing these really cool techniques. Like, um, I mean, not anything that's new, but you know, parallel compression and busing and basically stereo imaging. And so and the first thing we realized right away was that we couldn't use we couldn't use any of the keyboard parts because because everything was already out of phase and nothing was fitting. Um, we had to keep it as just the string quartet. And because we had to do a stereo image spread, I couldn't add any of the effects or filters I wanted to. But what came with that was the realization that um, I could just technically do this all as a string quartet. And part of it was because in my head, when I look at a performance of this, to be completely honest, I, I hate performing. <laughs> I, just, I get terrible stage fright. I love getting up and getting applause, but I hate sitting down and performing something because I know I'm going to mess it up. So I, in my head, envisioned, like, wouldn't it be amazing if this did well? And we recorded this at the, the Appel Room, which is in uh, it's on Columbus Circle in New York, overlooking Central Park, the back drop is actually this beautiful um just all glass florida ceiling um d uh, window set so i'm looking at that and i'm like well i don't fucking want to play keyboard on that i want to see a string quartet play that piece so i started talking to kaylee and i was like well as an experiment i've got these three segments already done i got a fourth one waiting um i'm gonna find a studio i want to book do this for real and I'm going to rewrite everything to see how it goes just for string quartet. Um, so the studio we're going with is called Seaside Lounge. Uh, it's... I'm typing away. <laughs> it is... It's kind of one of those old school punk rock studios all the way out in like... I think it's probably more like towards like Gowanus South Slope area. But the credits of these people are just amazing. I mean, you've got everything from yeah. Let's let's look this up. I'm because I'm I'm at a loss of words. They might be giants. Jonathan Colton, Jim Deer. Uh, let's see. Anti-Tam, Beirut recorded a lot, The National recorded there, The New Pornographers, um, boo -doo 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 -doo. there's a lot of credits, I'm just seeing if there's ones that I, other ones I know, there, there's quite a few, um, but I'm really stoked, they're pretty cool cats, so with that, again, I'm retooling everything for string quartet, but then I was like, well, I've already learned all these techniques and all these different things about parallel compression and distorting, um, not being so heavily involved in the reverb, since room mics for string quartets usually pick up enough of the ambience. So, so I kind of set to work. I retooled the same effects I was using for my keyboards, and instead were delivering them as sends to the string parts. And yeah, so <laughs> so that that accounts for 
the the technological backstory behind where we're kind of at right now. So so to kind of recap, I started with a heavily distorted keyboard shit show, and then I completely retooled that and, and then augmented it, and now I'm using... Right now I'm using electronic string parts because I'm not going to have strings until December recording this shit, but I'm feeding them through my session through the same filters I was using for the distortion stuff. And I've really been digging kind of what's coming out of it. So I'm going to play that for you. Um, it's available on my SoundCloud. Um, also, Bandcamp. So it's uh, tccrosser.bandcamp.com. If you head over there, um, I'm actually basically pay what you want for every single demo track I've generated since I've been working on this. So we've got the Castle Braid session, <laughs> what I was able to piece together there. I've got um, these tr this track that I'm going to share. I've got the originals that I was kind of doing. Um, so, so you can kind of go over there. And if you want to pay something, it helps support and pay for this project. But without further ado, I know it's kind of a long-winded blathery type thing, but here is what I created. Here is all strings, re the whole string arrangement, put through my different filters and processes. Obviously, it's electronic strings. Um, it's using East-West uh, Quantum Symphonic Sound Series, uh, but without, yeah. Anyway, here you go. I'm just going to dive right in. Thank you. 
and there, there, there's a little eight minute doozy, baby. So, I don't. To me, things are always so present in my head that it's like, oh, well, of course this is how it is. But naturally, for someone that's hearing that for the first time, maybe things are lost in translation. So let me kind of break it out a little bit. Um, the way I'm kind of treating it, there's the three time points in my life, and they're sort of kind of broken out between the cello, the viola, and then violin one and violin two, I'm kind of treating as its own character so and i haven't really i always kind of flip back and forth between what each each instrument kind of means to me because originally i was like oh well the cello is uh teenage you know is present day me um viola is 20s me and <laughs> violins are teenage me but then those kept kind of augmenting depending on what i was working on or what segment so I'm not going to be as literal about it, but there is this kind of, they kind of talk to each other. There, there's this kind of callback and response. And, and that's what this, the first segment is all about, right? It's just about, let's hash this out. Here, here's me in these three separate points in time, all interacting within the same dream. That happening would be a very trippy experience. I think for myself and the way I interact, I wouldn't be completely shocked um, I wouldn't like have this huge period of disbelief because I hate that shit in movies when like the central character takes forever to get to the point and then he finally goes, you're right, I'm a hero. And it's like, dude, bitch, you could have done that 45 minutes ago and we would have had a much more entertaining movie starting from this point moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I didn't want to do that I, I, I wanted to kind of go straight to the meat and potatoes um, and so segment one is just trying to break the ice it's kind of you hear these kind of weird callbacks to this more dissonance and I call it the darkness right these these minor kind of marcado um, those are representative of this whole this nightmare because as I look back on the three points, including my current time, I look back, the nightmare is the same thing. These waking nightmares I experience are still traumatizing to me. I just experience them differently. So in segment one, I wanted to kind of show audio-wise that I still remember these. I still experience these as a memory or in some form emotionally but they're different. So they're the same, but they're different somehow. And it's also kind of how I view time. I think we look at time in a very linear perspective, which is because we're human and that's how we experience it. But I think in the grand scheme of life in the cosmos, time is much more abstract. It's not linear. It's only linear because that's how we have to perceive it. I know I'm getting really heavy on here and I'm not even high. Um, but that's kind of the central point I'm making in, in the first segment is that that time is not linear, that it's very fluid, that, that in this piece I am going to be bouncing back and forth a lot. Um, I also wanted a more cyclical nature to it, which is why the ending kind of ends in a very weird, abrupt fashion is because my core belief and concept about life is that time when you die you don't go to heaven you don't go to hell 
it, it's more of like a loop. You just go right back to the very beginning and you just kind of like that is it, it's cyclical um, because that is how your consciousness is perceived. Your consciousness has a beginning point and it has an end point. And think of that as a very, very long string. Now think of that long string and realize that not time itself is not linear. It's just it's a construct that we have. But time is is a quantifiable thing. So basically you take the beginning, you take the end and you put them together, you got a circle. You got an uh, an endless loop. So if you look at some of the uh visual cues I've been creating cuz obviously it's not going to show anything on here but like I just released the album cover art that I'm currently working on for this project and that's literally what it is. It's these kind of circles that kind of radiate out from each other. Um, in this kind of weird fashion. So there aren't any real major stories to reveal with segment one because segment one is just a setup of these three characters. But again, it's kind of like teenage me who's just just in the midst of like hasn't come out of the closet yet. Um, very verbally abusive mother. Um, very very sticky situations that I'm kind of dealing with. And I'm just, all I know is I need to get out. I, I need to run away. Um, then I got 20 me, which is like <laughs> just fucking crazy horse, um, running all over the country, homeless. And just basically is just a walking id. Everything in my life in my twenties was about, Oh, the music. And I got to make money off music, which meant I was always broke. And, making these horrible mistakes and and constantly feeling codependent on on partners and people because it was the only way I could survive like I was a complete street rat and then you have my present me which still is a, I'm still a heavily flawed human being but at least I'm at a point now where I can kind of look back kind of go okay halfway point of my life I'm 35 so now that I'm 35, I've got probably about 30, 40, if I'm lucky, years ahead of me. How do I take everything I learn from my past to make sure that my future, it isn't that I'm going to like change anything. It's just that in my future, I'll be happier. That's what segment one's all about. <laughs> if that makes any sense. But it's just purely just the setup. So I'm going to leave it at that because that, that was me talking with no breaks for quite a bit. Woot woot. Um, so again, you can interact with me. If you're listening to this, I know I'm kind of speaking this out like freeform jazz, really as a way of canonizing or basically putting out how I derive this project, not necessarily for an audience, but more for myself, just so I have it as an archive. But if you do want to interact, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, uh, SoundCloud and YouTube and Facebook are all the same username, TC Crosser, T-C-C-R-O-S-S-E-R. If you watch the Twitch, um, if you don't know what Twitch is, then you don't watch it. Um, my username on there is Sparkle Pony Bear, all one word. Um, I, Monday through Friday for at least an hour a day, usually about noon Eastern Standard Time, I get on and I just kind of show what I'm working on. Uh, and I kind of work through a cycle. Um, 
I tried doing longer, but because my workflow is so stop and start, taking breaks, and it just was very confusing, and people were getting very angry with me. <laughs> um, plus, people are more enthralled with the fact that you can always see Mitch through my webcam, because he's always nuzzled up on the bed next to me, so people also enjoy that. But yeah, so interact, let me know what you think, uh, and I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, I'd give you the whole rate and review me on iTunes spiel, but I don't really care. I mean, it'd be I'd appreciate it, but, you know, whatevs. <laughs> All right, bitches. And as I like to say, on to the next thing. And as I always say in the recording studio, here come the beats. <laughs>